Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Noel is on an important mission today. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This is part two in our series on the massive farm protests that are ongoing in India as we record. And Matt, you know, as you and I had discussed in, in our earlier episode, a lot of people in the West are not very familiar with this situation. And I think a lot of people have been confused by what seem to be competing narratives about what this is, how it came about and what the protesters want. Would you agree? Oh, 100 percent. And that's what this part two episode is about going through these competing narratives. If you've not listened to part one yet, we recommend you do that first before listening to this episode, because there's a ton of info in there that you're going to need to have locked away before we jump into everything today. We definitely had to, uh, mm-hmm. so much so that we, we spent uh, an entire episode do, doing that, making sure that we also understood. Uh, here are the facts For a quick and dirty recap, um, Matt, this all hinges uh, officially on three incredibly unpopular new laws, new acts, the farm bills. And you and I went into detail about what those do, what they're meant to do, and why so very many people hate them. (laughs) Not everybody. But a lot of people hate them. And ironically enough, uh, the people who don't care for these farm bills, the people who are protesting, are the very same people that these bills, in theory, are meant to help. Is that about the long and short of it? I think it is. And this is where it gets a little murky. It's important to know that there are many organizations and companies, private entities that really appreciate what's going on with these bills. There are many people individuals, families that are very much not okay with it. But 
We also have to take into account the organizations that are fairly large that represent many of the individuals in this story. Yeah, because there is not just one farmer union, farmers union in India. There are many, and they don't always agree. And what we found in our previous episode, we examined a little bit about the intention of those laws, what the critics saw as the consequences of those laws, uh, the, the negative effects that would occur either through incompetence or design on the government's part. And uh, the, the one thing you can say, if first off, as we said in last episode, thank you to all our listeners in India. Thank you to all our folks in the Indian diaspora who wrote in to give us uh, to give us their perspectives here, which are crucial. But the the one thing that I think we can all agree on, even if you have wildly contradicting views of the farm protest, um, the Modi government was super sketchy getting this stuff passed in a way that does not look good. That's exactly what I wanted to say. A major takeaway should be that these laws got pushed through quickly with very little input or no input from the the people and organizations that they affect, at least that we're aware of and that has been reported in the news. And maybe there were some organizations, you know, uh, looked to for advice, but they weren't the the farmers. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's a question... That I, I was thinking about this earlier, man. That's that's a question that's similar to what we asked in our episode on Davos and the Great Reset. Like, okay, even if you know your, let's say your intentions are absolutely sincere and you want to help, uh, you know, a given population, then why is that population not in the room when you're having these conversations about their future? It's a very, it's a very, very good question. Uh, so right now, as we're recording this, we're pretty excited. Because we held off a lot of the juicy stuff for for this episode specifically, uh, I see we just jump into it. If if you are also because if you are also excited, match we why why delay, huh? Yeah, let, let's jump right into this thing. Let's uh, let's I was, God, I was gonna say let's whip out the old Kalistani hand. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you. Here's where it gets crazy. Corruption and conspiracy, the accusations, as we mentioned earlier, the accusations are rife. They're coming from virtually every side. It is not hyperbolic to say millions of folks believe there's something they don't want you to know about these protests and these laws. The problem is that not everyone agrees on who exactly they are. And that's where we get to this quite provocative claim um, from members of India's domestic media and from members of some regional media outlets outside of India and from some of our fellow listeners who wrote in to say that these protests, however they may have began, have been co-opted in a very real way. And, you know, Matt, you and I said, we, we pointed out that you can find news clips aplenty of protesters Uh, farmers talking in interviews and saying, look, the media is misrepresenting our cause. They are lying to you about us to discredit us uh, the same way that you would see uh, protesters from various things here in the U.S. say the same thing, right? There would be people at various domestic protests saying um, agent provocateurs are in the crowd, right? Or the or the Wall in the case of Occupy, the Wall Street run media is purposefully trying to discredit our movement and make it seem bad, which I think to a degree was absolutely true in that case. Yeah, well, you really just have to follow follow the money, really follow the influence of you know a, a large media organization, and what are the strings that can pull that organization because there are, there always are some, uh, no matter how objective a media organization wants to be. Um, well, except for this one, of course. Oh boy. Oh man. 
No, they've got so many. They've got so many strings uh, in us. Like today, uh, today I'm recording in our studio, in our bunker, which is why if you're watching this on video, I'm just sort of a flo- I'm floating in the darkness with a microphone. And the whole reason I came in, man, is because there's a place downstairs that makes these amazing quesadillas. And I was, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, so uh, I, that same place makes even better burritos. I'm just putting that out there. I know, but you're a burrito guy. I'm a quesadilla guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with, with having these differences. And segue. I'm the, joking, of course. By the way, I'm I'm making light of of, of the media thing. I sorry to put that no, out there. No, man. no, are you kidding? No, no, more burritos for you, my friend. I just can't handle like the thing is, and it depends on where you live, of course. But uh, in the part of the U.S. where um, Matt and I reside, uh, there's this tendency to have these hugely overstuffed burritos. You're getting you're getting a tortilla log, right? Can you eat a whole burrito of that size, Matt? Generally, no. But it gives me two meals, which, hey, if I'm going to pay for one and get two, I accept. It's true. That is an advantage of the burritos. A quesadilla is modular, though, by design. I feel like I'm getting us off track. <laughs> I am sorry. You're absolutely right. Let's see. Uh, Segway, we're talking about differences. And when we're talking about the conspiracies related to the farm protest, what we have to remember is that we are looking at a recent event that did not occur in a vacuum. It is a flashpoint for some complex, at times difficult to understand, tensions and differences that already existed in some cases for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, And it it might seem strange to say, well, these kind of relatively dry laws that were enacted recently or were passed recently and then suspended, uh, what what on earth could they have to do with these uh, very old conflicts and resentments? It's weird because you mentioned a phrase right before everything went crazy, Matt, a Kalistani hand. What, that is such a cool phrase, but what does it mean? Uh, well, we're going to have to jump into it and explore it. And the way we get into that is to talk about some allegations that were made, or a statement at least, that was made on Z News. This is an outlet in India. There's a reporter there, Sudhir Chaudhry, made the statement that the protests that are occurring right now with the farmers protesting this, these bills might be cover for something completely different has nothing to do actually with the, the farming situation and the bills, that there might be this thing, a, quote, Khalistani hand powering the chaos that is p- being seen in Delhi and in several other places across India. So, Khalistani hand. Let's just, let's just answer it. I feel weird. It's a cool phrasing. We want to put it on a T-shirt or something, even though it's probably not something you want to put on a T-shirt. It just feels cool. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to it, do that. it might be kind of uh, offensive. Yes. Uh, this is another one of those things that we mentioned in part one of this episode that is just not going to exist for the, for the most part in the Western world's nomenclature and in, in the Western world's understanding. Um, so look, we have to kind of jump uh, to history to really, really fully look at this. So the Khalistani Hand refers to a movement called the Khalistan Movement. And we've discussed a little bit of this group before, the Sikh, the the Sikh religion. And there's a Sikh separatist initiative that wants to create sovereign land for for Sikhs, for the Sikhs uh, in the Punjab region, which is one of the regions that is heavily affected by these farming rules or these farming laws because there's a ton of farmland out there and a lot of the population in Punjab, uh, they make a lot of their money or most of their money, if not all of their money through farming. Yeah. So people in the Western world, I think, are aware of uh, Sikhs or Sikhism yes. and have, you know, the the odds are pretty likely that you have met someone who practices this religion. It was founded in the 15th century in Punjab, in the Punjab area of India. So it makes sense that the geographic homeland of this religion 
would be the place where uh, members of the Khalistan movement would want their new sovereign state to be. The issue is that obviously existing states like Pakistan and India don't want to give up land. Uh, as we said earlier, maybe on listener mail or something, that's generally something that other countries are not down to do. So the Khalistan movement starts kind of in opposition to the status quo. It's been around since at least the 1980s in this modern form. But the overall idea of creating a sovereign state for practitioners of the Sikh religion started way like dates back to the fall of the British Empire. And of course, this is the part where we say you can't discriminate against an entire religion. I mean, when you get down to it, you know, n nobody's really monolithic, right? No group of people is super monolithic. There are always going to be individual opinions and differences in values. And so to be very clear, it is not as though every member of the Sikh religion is calling for the creation of this new state. But there are people who believe that Sikh separatists in the Khalistani movement have co-opted the farming protest at some point and are pushing it, uh, escalating it further than it would have gone normally. And they will argue that the farm bill itself is only a token cause, a performative flag to wave, and that the real aim of the protest is to use them as an opportunity to gain leverage in the fight for an independent Khalistan. Now, even if this is the first time you have heard that concept, does it not sound a little complicated? Does that sound a like a little Rube Goldberg-esque? Yeah, it sounds very complicated. Um, but there are some nuances we should discuss here. And the first is that we may be dealing with coinciding interests here, where it it may be the cause, you know, the, the farm bills may be the main cause to protest, but it could also be beneficial to continue protesting and to, to get leverage. It may be beneficial for that. But, I mean, I can't see that being the reason. As we said before, it's, they're, the people who are protesting are are likely, very likely, going to be affected by these bills, even if they are a part of the Khalistan movement. So it's tough. It's tough to really parse through what's what there. Um, and it could also be this is. I don't want to speak too out of turn here because I don't know all of the details, but it could be that the farm bills are in some way. Another thing that would bolster the position against the Khalistan movement from India's perspective. Ah, I see. Yeah. So it could be seen, you know, by the Khalistan movement as like making moves against them. So I, I don't know all the details, but I can just imagine those scenarios as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Coinciding interests. We do know that times of high tension can make for strange bedfellows, Right. But again, uh, agriculture is huge in the Punjab region. Uh, this is the origin of uh, the religion known as Sikhism. So these, these two ideas have been together in multiple ways for a very long time. And we also know, like we said, opportunists can influence the direction of pre-existing movements. This happens all the time. And just for, you know, I was thinking of a good genre of example, just so people know that we're not being precious about the U.S. and that we, we're very aware that talking about foreign interference is, is like uh, throwing stones from a glass house, as the old cliche goes. Here's a good example of how opportunists can influence pre-existing movements. Uh, let's say... You're the U.S. and some of your biggest companies are having problems with a place that they extract resources or labor from in South uh, Nicaragua, or right, or uh, Guatemala, or South or Central America, <laughs> Venezuela, uh, right, right, exactly. Uh, and I mean, in Chile, like, look, you yeah, can yeah. 
yeah, we, we can unfortunately going. name a lot of examples, but let's say that's happening and this business comes to you as Uncle Sam and says, hey, we need to keep a resource here running. And these crazy people in this country voted for some crazy guy who's not going to continue selling us these things for pennies on the dollar. It's time for a change. And you know fact, what they would actually say, Ben? What? They would say, this guy who's in power now is evil and we have to defeat him. He's doing the wrong stuff. They wouldn't mention any of those details. Oh, yeah, not in public. <laughs> no, in public, it's like... Um, well, I'm saying they wouldn't even mention it to the young folk that they're trying to recruit. They oh. would they would idealize, They would would make it an ideological battle. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, this is the way you do it. So say that you want to overthrow a government and you want to put in usually a far-right dictator who will be more uh, compliant with your geopolitical or your corporate goals, usually which will not be super great for the people who actually live in that country. So what you do is you go – you go and find where the domestic disputes are already simmering. Is there an area that feels like it could be a breakaway state, right? Is there something uh, that could become a flashpoint? And in different cases in South and Central America, uh, this could, for example, start at a university, start in higher education. And then suddenly uh, a group of college kids who have been peacefully protesting and been very ideologically driven to one degree or another, suddenly someone has put a lot of gas in their tank and they inexplicably have some high-grade weapons, top-notch training for somewhere. And they, they have a now a new and very specific plan for the revolution that usually involves opening up trade to global corporations and so on and so on. That is, that is like an extreme but provable level of foreign interference. We've also seen accusations, you know, of foreign interference in various U.S.-based protests, various protests in Europe, and so on. The The question is, could this be happening here? And if it is, uh, could this be the result of a separatist movement interfering? Uh, could it be the result of maybe even another country, like Pakistan, interfering? We don't know. We don't know. But we know that members of India's mainstream media have put forward this conspiracy and they put it forward in definitive terms. But the thing is, when you talk to the farmers, they'll unequivocally say, no, this is not the case. We're just we're, we're literally fighting for our livelihoods and the health and well-being of our community and our descendants. Uh, and furthermore, we are offended by the media's spin on this. Why aren't you reporting the real issue, which is the government is trying to break our chances at, a, a, at living a decent life? Yeah. And we have other examples that we can point to here. Because um, as we said, August is when these bills were put forward and September, I believe, is when they were passed. Uh, you may have to correct me on that, Ben, but I think that's the timeline we're talking about in 2020. Um, so in December, there was a post made by uh, Op India, and there was some some staff member there that made this post, and they pointed to several examples on social media accounts that seemed to demonstrate kind of a back and forth in messaging, uh, or at least a, almost an on off messaging messaging that was occurring. So we'll just talk about what it meant. Like one day they would call for. Uh, Khalistan, like let's establish Khalistan. The next day they would support farming protests or the next day they would connect the two and say, you know, support Khalistan by supporting the farming protests. And, you know, I don't want to completely discredit that and say, yeah, okay, whatever, but there will be some people, no doubt out there that meet that, that rubric. Uh, they are, they are both supporting Khalistan and they are supporting the farming protests. Sure. We remember how many people we were talking about there. Good Lord. Uh, was it 1.3 billion or something? Mm -hmm. uh, you have to imagine in, in that large of a number of people, you are going to have many who support both things. Uh, I'm trying to imagine what it'd be like for me if I was on social media, which I'm not, but if I was on social media and I was 
calling for some protest and supporting some protest, but also simultaneously supporting, uh, I don't know, something for Georgia. Legalize it in Georgia. Uh, <laughs> Legalize what? You know, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all of it, whatever it is. <laughs> Legalize all of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I on social media, you can say whatever you want, and I get, I get that Op India is pointing to that as like, look, here's proof, and in some way, it is proof supporting what they believe, but it's not proof supporting the fact that the movement has been co-opted for some reason by the Khalistan movement. Yeah, that's an important distinction. We also have to remember, uh, just like uh, those, <laughs> just like those amazing stories about Amazon Twitter bots, it's not tough to fake uh, an ID or a handle on Twitter. And this, so yeah, there there are questions that would need to be answered more definitively to prove this conspiracy was the case. But we also have to point out, again, context, context, context. This occurs in the context of a extremely complex relationship between the countries of India and Pakistan. And calling it tense is, is an understatement. But with that being said, shout out to their amazing border opening and closing ceremonies. Just because we we all are big fans of this clip and this ceremony, let's just play one one second of it for anyone who hasn't heard it. <laughs> there it is. You've got to see it. You've got you've to check this out. Um, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but Matt, can you describe a little bit of what's going on here? Sure. Uh, I would describe this as intense posturing. Uh, mil- military members from both sides of the border there showing just how badass they are. Uh, and doing it, you know, in style. That's how I would put that. Um, and, and it really is just, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a puffing of the chest. Like don't mess with us. Cause I, I can, I can step like this. Also, we have all these weapons. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ceremony and bravado there. Um, that clip went viral a few years ago, uh, but it still holds up. It's worth it's worth the time to see um, because the the reason there's so much ceremony there and so much pomp and circumstance is because the border tensions are so high between these two countries, and so given the enmity between Pakistan and India at times, it's not surprising that there might be some people living in India who see these protests as a false front meant to destabilize their own country in a way that is somehow advantageous to Pakistan. You know, we're not saying that everybody believes that by a long stretch, but we're saying it is a reasonable thing for someone to to believe that. And so that's that's part one of the problem. Uh, we're going to pause, though, because there's another conspiracy you need to hear about. Uh, and we'll tell you after a word from our sponsors. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. 
Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's dot. And we're back. Big Moody Energy, man. The government's not going to take this lying down. No, Lay, they are not. Lying down? <laughs> I always forget. They, they're in a prone position, <laughs> right. but they don't want to be and they will not be. <laughs> yeah, this, the government's not going horizontal on this one. Uh, uh, I, hey, before we jump in with because you're I, I love this and where we're going. I just want to point out there just what we were kind of talking about right before the break. Just quickly, how destabilizing a country, as we mentioned before, can be very advantageous, not just to the main uh, or the, the country that's seen as your main opponent or something. It can be advantageous to the third tier, the fourth tier opponents. And it's difficult to know. If there's any meddling going on until you've got like a postmortem. So I just want to leave that thought mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You need the benefit of retrospect unless you're in the room where those plans occur. Uh, we also can't forget that there's a very tense border situation going on right now between China and India. So there's a world where, and this is entirely hypothetical, thankfully, there is a world where immense destabilization in India could leave the country less prepared to defend itself from a border grab from uh, from another neighboring country. So you're absolutely right. This is maybe part of the motivation between behind what we're arbitrarily calling big Modi energy. Yeah. So so on one side there, the people are saying, look, this farmers movement is uh, somehow secretly a separatist movement in disguise, or at least elements of it are that. On the other side, we see allegations of more corruption and conspiracy as well. Critics right now are somewhere between terrified to incredibly concerned that Prime Minister Modi has been taking actions that they see as a path toward uh, authoritarianism, big brotherism, um, doing things like Stifling dissenting voices, blocking access to the internet, and then punishing journalists who stray too far from the allowable public discourse. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is a big deal. We've discussed this before in revolutionary moments, revolutionary movements. I'm taking myself back to Egypt in the time when Twitter and the internet really did help to organize and fuel the the voices when there was a, an uprising there and a revolution there in Egypt. Um, and I'm imagining the response here from the Modi government in an attempt to stifle something like that from occurring. You can see it as a play that the government would do if it wanted to just stamp down on this immediately, right? Prevent Prevent the message from getting out any further than it already has. And also on a on a smaller level, prevent organizers from being able to organize on the ground level. It's a real move. It's a power play. If you can control the, the strings of the internet, uh, you can you can prevent people from from organizing very efficiently. Yeah, but it can also be a dangerous game. Oh you yeah, know, you know it's it's pretty risky because you 
could possibly make martyrs for a cause. Uh, you could end up shooting yourself in the digital foot and bringing more international attention. Well, that, that seems to be what it's doing, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I think you're right there. <laughs> I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, and, you know, the argument here is just given the size of the protest, uh, that it was already on the path. Uh, it was already too big to be suppressed. Uh, even Even Western pop stars got involved. This is where Rihanna shows up. She posts a tweet about the protest on February 2nd uh, without recalling the specific language. It's something about, like, why aren't more people talking about this? Mm -hmm. This is huge. Reasonable question for a person to ask. But what happened after that was pretty interesting. A lot of celebrities who were more pro-Modi, I guess you would describe them, they they hopped on Twitter in response and they were urging unity while also denouncing outsider voices, saying that voices from outsiders, meaning people who do not live in India, are purposefully trying to divide the country. Hmm. Now, to be clear, I haven't I haven't uh, spent a whole lot of time uh, with Rihanna, but I I don't see. Like, I don't have an image of my head of her sort of steepling her fingers, Monty Burns style, and saying, you know, like, that's what I'll do before the next album. Destabilize a country. With, with one Twitter. tweet. <laughs> with one tweet. <laughs> with but one tweet. That's a real voice, folks. That's actually <laughs> that's we're doing spot on impressions. Uh, but you see uh, what I'm saying? Like, it's it's weird to accuse people of purposely doing that. Um and the foreign ministry responded. The foreign ministry of India responded in kind of a passive-aggressive way. Oh, yes, they responded. Though they did not say, hey, Rihanna, or they didn't at Rihanna, or really just mention her whatsoever. This is what they wrote. Quote, we would like to emphasize that these protests must be seen in the context of India's democratic ethos and polity. The temptation of sensationalist social media hashtags and comments, especially when resorted to by celebrities and others, is neither accurate nor responsible. So keep my name out of your mouth. <laughs> That's exactly what it's they said. What they're saying in a, in a much more diplomatic way. Uh, polity is, by, uh, by the way, just a... It's a dressed-up word for the process of a civil government or how, how a government works, the polity, a form of government, a process of it. Got it. An organized society. Um, I, I was telling Ben, by the way, off mic that uh, I, I've never used that word in my life. But uh, that's, that's a good one. Hey, put it in the bank. Polity. Now you've got you it. You know, that I did not. I'm trying to think when I first learned that word. It was either a song by the band Grizzly Bear or it was uh or it was grad school. I can't remember. Oh. You sure it wasn't a, a tweet from like Andrew WK or something? I don't know. Maybe I feel like was. I'm learning a lot from tweets lately. <laughs> oh yeah, right. We all are. Uh so that that's the thing. That's what that's what India said in response to people you know, uh, people spreading awareness of the protest and what they felt was maybe an inaccurate or misleading or even an ill-intentioned way. But regardless of where you stand on the protest, there is a pattern of escalating crackdowns by the government of India. It is undeniably real, and it goes beyond the current protest. For example, uh, just a little bit earlier, a stand-up comedian was thrown in jail of on suspicion, on suspicion of making a joke that I guess did not land the way he thought it would. Uh, imagine your stand-up set going so poorly that you're arrested at the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you can totally see it. I can. I can see a government that's willing to shut down the internet during a protest. To to want to shut down a dissenting voice, even if it's just a comedian, but like making light of a situation or making Modi or the government look bad in a punchline. Dude, I can totally see that. It makes me wonder, the only time comedians are arrested or have been arrested in the United States that I'm aware of were for, you know, naughty language, language that wasn't allowed to be used, concepts that weren't allowed to be said. 
in a similar way, but it generally hasn't ever been, to my knowledge, speaking against a government, unless some some stuff happened during the Red Scare that I just am not aware of. Yeah, I just, you know, I the thing is, Matt, I just have this image in my head of someone really like bombing on an open mic night and then, you know, they're they're depressed and they're like, they get off stage and they're walking over to order just the the cheapest bad beer at the bar because part of the gig is they have to buy a beer or something. And then someone like one of the hecklers comes up behind the dude. They flash it. They flash a badge and they're like, hey, I told you those puns were f***ing crime. <laughs> and then boom, they're locked You're up. You're under arrest. <laughs> You're under comedy arrest. You're right. That can seem weird and anomalous to a lot of us listening today. But I think you make an excellent point when you say, you know, it's not a step too far for a government that's already cracking down in these macro level ways, detaining someone for some stuff they literally said for entertainment on a stage. Yeah. Yeah. It seems increasingly less implausible. And just for a little more context here, this comedian was jailed, for, I think, around a month or so before he was given bail for allegedly, quote, insulting Hindu gods and goddesses. So mm. it really is just showing. I'm sorry. In my head, it was him making a punchline about the protests. No, no, no. This is specifically just showing, I guess, the laws that can be upheld for doing things like uh what what do we those aren't blue laws but what do we call those where a law where if you insult the standing religion um god why can't i think of this word right now blasphemy like a blasphemy law essentially are you talking about uh les majesté whatever it's called uh, maybe i don't speak french but it's um yeah l e s e dash m a j e s t e got it it's it's the law that means it's illegal to insult or threaten or defame a ruler of a country, usually king or queen. Mm. So, so like you can't. So Thailand has a law like that. You you can't speak ill of the ruler or the heir apparent. You can't really. You just shouldn't say anything you think is off color or funny about the royal family. And there are gotcha. a lot of countries like that, you know what I mean, where there's like where people in the past have been punished for maybe walking on currency because it had a picture of a ruler on it or something. There are dozens of different ways it could go. But um, I, I see what you're saying here, that the idea, uh, the ideas are troubling in that they could, they can become like that, right? Like it may, even though... India is, in fact, the world's largest democracy. People are concerned, and it's no surprise that they're concerned, that this move toward authoritarianism will continue. And that maybe, you know, ultimately, and this is the worst case scenario, and personally, I, I don't think this will happen, but the, the concern is that it could possibly lead to a situation where India is a democracy largely in name, the same mm. way that the Democratic People's Republic of Korea is very much not a democracy. Nope. No, it's not. Um, and it makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of like, since we're getting continued food analogies here, Matt, it's kind of like, what if you and I opened a fried chicken shack and it was called vegans? That's just uh, the name of it. <laughs> it's vegans fried chicken <laughs> and it's not vegan whatsoever. It's no, just... nothing on the menu is vegan. It's named after we have some complex, overly elaborate, origin story about why we named it vegans well it's vegans fried chicken and we exclusively sell baby back ribs that's it <laughs> yeah, let's do it yes yeah <laughs> that's perfect it's the only thing on the menu yep um we have to have a terrible not not terrible but we have to have a relatively obscure soda as the only drink knee high Knee high, yes. It's only baby back ribs and knee highs. Those are the two things on the menu at Vegan's Fried Chicken. We don't even have water. It's just I love just, it. I, you know, I, I think we've got some place. I, I think we can workshop it. I think we've got yeah. something here. We've got some lightning in a bottle, uh, some lightning in a bottle of knee high. But now we have to ask ourselves beyond Vegan's Fried Chicken. 
and uh, looking toward the global situation, looking toward the farm protest in India, what happens next? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. All right, we're back. Now, the big question is, what happens now? There is still a massive protest occurring in India. There are, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that are braving cold temperatures, braving braving all kinds of things to be away from their families, away from their farms, away from their work. Because they believe something, right? They believe that a change needs to occur or something, uh, at least these laws need to be changed. And we talked about the other demands as well in the previous episode, including uh, a lot of uh, debt forgiveness, essentially, or these large, crazy loans that that they're demanding are being forgiven. What what happens now? This is, we did, we mentioned it before, India is the world's largest democracy, at least on paper, no matter what you believe about the current government. How can this stuff stand and how does this get resolved? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the billion dollar question, the billion Bitcoin question. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Uh, it's not the first time, obviously, that large protests have rocked that country. In 2019, not too long ago, the Parliament of India passed this bill that gave Indian citizenship to immigrants from three different adjacent countries as long as they were not Muslim. So this, as you can imagine, this prompted massive demonstrations because uh, democracies are not supposed to practice religious discrimination, in theory, at least. And the facts on the ground often don't match the words on the, on the papers of the constitutions, what have you. Still, despite the fact that large protests have occurred, are occurring, will occur in the future, this protest in particular could be dangerous for Prime Minister Modi because if you look at the stats we mentioned previously, 
Farmers are the largest voting block in the entire country. So angering them could cost Modi a ton of votes in the next general election, which is 2024. I'd go so far as to say likely would. Oh, yeah, I believe so. Unless there were active voter suppression efforts, right, Mm -hmm. which you would need to start putting in place now. Uh, the, The Modi administration, on their part, says that there is no conspiracy afoot Never mind the way that the bills were pushed through for approval. Let's not talk about that. What we are doing, in fact, is supporting farmers, supporting our fellow citizens. And these new laws are solving a lot of problems that farmers have told us about in the past. There'll be a watershed moment. We're going to transform India's agricultural system in a way that will be beneficial for generations to come. They're pretty words, but I think we've made a pretty good case for why a lot of farmers don't believe that to be so. And currently, India's Supreme Court has put these laws on hold. That means to a degree the protests have met with success. The Supreme Court ordered the ordered the creation of a mediation committee. It's going to be four people. They're supposed to take all these conflicting views, these ideas, these desires and demands, and then try to come to some sort of grand compromise. The representatives of the movements whittle down into four people. That's those are some important folks. Well, I I think that's it won't even be all four. All four slots won't even be all protesters. No, that's what I mean. It'll be probably two. Right. Right. (laughs) To mediate Uh, so far. Leaders of the protest are not having it. And it's not as if they said, no, we don't we don't like the specific structure of this specific committee. They said, no, we don't want anyone in court appointed committee. You got our demands. You know what we came here to do. So run along and do it. I hear that. But like in any argument or negotiation, when when one party takes a hard line like that and is not giving whatsoever or compromising you you know it's very difficult to come to a consensus so it's i can totally see why some people are saying the protesters and we, we've only seen this i'm not saying this is what i believe some people are saying that the protesters or at least the movement is being uh i don't know just a, a they're being uncompromising which could be seen as very good but also can be seen as negative because the, the government offered this mediation, right? Doesn't mean it's a good move. Doesn't mean it's good for the protest movement, but it is something. And then they offered to continue to hold those laws for, I think, 18 months in total, or at least push it another, push it to 18 months before the bills come out or are enacted. So it's just like, um, it just in defense a little bit of the government. And I hate to even do that, but I just want to make sure we're all being fair here. Um, it does appear that there are attempts being made to at least quell the anger against the government. That's what they're attempting to do, it seems. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's a fair point, Matt. The other issue on the table is that the the protesters themselves find a hold unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Right? They're very explicit about their demands. But there, there's another story that's going on here, which is that deaths are continuing. These protests have proven to be uh, fatal for several people. As of March 5th, Al Jazeera reported that at least 248 farmers had died uh, through one means or another related to the protest on the border of New Delhi alone, where many protesters had converged. And then that's that's from everything from, like we said, the cold temperatures, uh, automobile and other like tractor Tractor accidents accidents, uh, and think some has been due to violence i just haven't i haven't actually seen a bunch about the actual violence causing deaths it's mostly been at least what i've been reading about has been mostly people being killed as a part of just i guess the number of people that are there Mm -hmm. and it's too i mean and we're talking about literally hundreds of people there was an article in foreign policy that surprised me a little bit i know not all of our listeners are going to agree with it so we'd like to hear from you Foreign policy claims that there's another undercurrent to the story that isn't being widely reported. 
which is uh, they're saying that the protest, yes, are the protesters are farmers, but they're saying the leaders of the protest are actually India's better off farmers, the people mm. who would be considered, you know, the wealthier members of the agricultural industry, the people with the largest farms and the largest incomes. And we have wow. we we have a quote about this that I, I thought was um, pretty eye opening. And here's that quote. Despite what activists and Western celebrities supporting the protests would have us believe, most of those who've been protesting the new laws since September aren't drawn from the ranks of marginalized subsistence farmers driven by debt and despair to the edge of suicide. They represent instead the politically powerful and heavily subsidized remnants of India's traditional landlord caste. These farmers fear that the laws will help large agribusiness undermine the current state-directed system for buying farm produce and ultimately lead to the dismantling of the price support system on which they depend. That's interesting, man. That's a, that is honestly a perspective I had not taken into account yet. Well, we know a, a relatively small percentage of the agricultural industry uh, benefits, at least according to some statistics, from the, the Mandy system. So the allegation here, the, the perspective here is that the protests are being driven by people who are just benefiting from the status quo and seeking to preserve that status quo, even if those new laws might somehow be better for the general public. So it's weird because you can see the motivation there. You know what I mean? And then also to your earlier excellent point about somebody being both pro Khalistan and pro uh, repeal of these farmer laws, they, they're not mutually exclusive. There could be someone who is uh, comparatively wealthy and wants to preserve that old system to preserve their own wealth, you know, and they could just also be at the protest. It's tempting to boil it down into simplistic terms, but to do so is not really fair to ourselves, to the government of India, and to the many, many people who continue to protest today. We know that these allegations of conspiracy and corruption, which are flying from pretty much every angle, right, that we just looked at, we know they're going to continue, and the world is watching. There are hundreds of thousands of people in the streets. Uh, there's another war that's being fought online and in the press. Who controls the narrative, right? Who uh, is freestyling the story that history will later write down? And I, I think that's a very important question because another way to put that in very human terms is what is the future of India's farmers? Uh, what solution, if any, best addresses this complex web of concerns in a way that doesn't make one party feel swindled or suppressed. I don't know. Dude, after going through all of this, I feel like my third eye got squeegeed a little bit with that foreign part policy article that I somehow missed in preparation for this. I can totally see how this uh, getting rid of the traditional Mandy system that we discussed in part one where a farmer would have to take their produce, their crop to this one place and they get either the lowest standard price, which is pretty much what you're going to get the, the lowest, the minimum price because it's standard across the board um, or nothing. Really, you're going to get that probably or nothing because you can't take it somewhere else. You have to take it to this one place and sell your crop crop at that price. It would totally benefit the, you know, the smaller farmer, maybe even farmers that don't have major equipment like these huge tractors that are that you're seeing driven around all across Delhi right now. Maybe like small family farms that have very little land, but need to be able to sell that crop for the highest price. Maybe crazy, maybe it would crazily benefit them to be able to take that to a big agribusiness corporation that's going to buy, you know, if they've got good crops, they're going to buy it for a pretty good price. That's better than that minimum. And it would be good for the agribusiness because then they're getting crops from all of these smaller farms. Dude, this is, this is blowing my mind right now, Ben, because I could totally see 
there being enough influence within that caste, that class of the, you know, more wealthy farmers to be able to ignite a protest like this. And that's the thing. Yeah. You know, the reality of it is that it is probably easier now to start a physical protest than it has been for decades because of the way you can organize through online communication. But we want to be very clear. We're endeavoring to present all the angles that we've seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and that means we're presenting angles from or perspectives of people who don't agree with each other. But I was also surprised and intrigued to read that foreign policy piece. Uh, and we don't have the answer. You know, if you're if you're listening to this, the end of our second part on on the farming protest in India and like earlier, maybe in part one, about 20 minutes in, you went, oh, I got it. Then write the email, send it to us. Yeah, we will please, please forward it. You could send it just directly to Prime Minister Modi, but I imagine <laughs> he is busy uh, prime ministering. Uh, but we do want to hear your opinion, not just about this, and not just about you know what a solution could be or what the future of India's agricultural sector will be. We want to hear about other conflicts in the world that you think are not getting reported, or places that you think have become hotbeds of allegations of conspiracy and corruption. Uh, tell us all about it. We try to be very easy to find online. Yes, please do send it to us. We will endeavor to educate ourselves <laughs> about whatever situation you present to us. <laughs> I had to do it one more time. I think we got one in the first episode. <laughs> all right. I don't know why. It just, <laughs> oh, it gets but, to me. Hey, that's literally what we're doing every episode here. We are, we are attempting to educate ourselves. Please educate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you can find us online, Twitter and Facebook. We're Conspiracy Stuff. Instagram, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you like Facebook groups, we've got one of those. It's called Here's Where It Gets Crazy. You can go on there and have discussions about every episode. You can present new ideas and have discussions about those. You can post whatever memes you like, pictures of your dog. I posted pictures of my dog, uh, dogs. You can do that, whatever. It's fun, and it's really cool to be able to have discussion with people who aren't going to judge you. They they also are seekers of knowledge. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Check it out. Here's where it gets crazy on Facebook. If you don't want to do that, we have a phone number. That's right. You can give us a call anytime you wish. Uh, we are 1-833-STDWYTK. For some reason, whenever I say that, I, I feel like it, we're doing a, a morning radio show. And it's like, yeah. 1-833-STDWYTK in the morning <laughs> or something like that. Get yourself checked out right now. S-T-D-W-I-T-K. <laughs> and, now, and now we're back with uh, Kevin Mainman and Queso. Auga. What's going on in traffic? <laughs> Whatever. We'll just do a radio show. Anyway, you can call yeah. us. We have a phone number. one eight three three stdwytk Three minutes. Those minutes are yours. Uh, let us know your cool nickname you'd like to go by. Let us know if it's okay to use your voice or your story on the show. Tell us what's on your mind, and most importantly, do not uh, censor yourself. Do not edit yourself. If three minutes is not enough, uh, we still want to hear your entire idea for a topic, your entire uh, story and experience. The best way to do it is to write it out to us. We read every email we get, and you can send one to us right now, no matter where you are, uh, no matter what time of day it is. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, send us a good old-fashioned email where we are. And one last thing, if you do have way too much and you still want to send us a voicemail and send us a bunch of information, do what some of your fellow conspiracy realists have done. Send us a huge email with all the info you want and then a short voicemail that lets us know you sent us an email. That's really good. That's like hitting us on both on both sides. Okay, our, our email address is conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. (laughs) Ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.